Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Bear Bergman, and you are listening to Why Are People Into That with Tina Horn. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode and another year of Why Are People Into That? Can you believe I published the first episode in February of 2014? I am so proud of this show, and the best part about it has been connecting with you, my listeners out in the wild. So here's the deal for 2018. I have some very exciting writing stuff in the works, but I can't tell you about it quite yet. And don't worry, the podcast isn't going anywhere. I'm just getting really busy and figuring out how often I can record and release episodes. So this is just total... DIY transparency from me. So you're going to want to stick with me, stay subscribed, and keep telling your friends about the show. If you haven't already, give me a quick review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the indie pervert gospel. And to keep up to date, make sure you're following at Tina Horns S on Twitter and Instagram. And real quick, I am also doing live podcast recordings and other events in New York City, LA, and the Bay Area this spring. So check in periodically at tinahorn.net slash live for updates on those events. Cool. So I am super pumped about my guest this month. You already heard from her on the last live episode, but this here is my in-studio one-on-one with queer icon Barbara Corrales. This episode you're listening to now is part one, and part two is coming later this month. Now, before we get started, I want to give some love to a company that is continuing their sponsorship of Wired People Into That this year the sex-positive sex toy legends at the Pleasure Chest. In addition to being a retailer of high-quality pleasure products for nearly 50 years, the Pleasure Chest also offers community education and events. This month, New Yorkers can check out a kinky leather care workshop with Corita of Onyx Pearls. That's Sunday, March 11th at 2 p.m. In Los Angeles, Tristan Terramino is facilitating a town hall about the Me Too movement in sex-positive communities. That's Sunday, March 18th at 4 p.m. And if you're in Chicago on Thursday, March 29th, you won't want to miss The Sexual Menu, an interactive couples workshop with Davia Frost. Pleasure Chest events are free, and everything in the store, from vibrators to latex, is 15% off for attendees. So get educated, meet new people, plan a hot date night, and stock up on lube. 
To get all the info you need, check out pleasurechest.com slash events and follow Pleasure Chest on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay, one last order of business before we get to Barbara. It's Patreon shout-out time. Now, there's almost 80 of you. As listeners know, I'm, I'm trying to thank you all a few at a time and then thank new Patreons as you subscribe. So without my Patreon patrons, making this podcast would be way more stressful, and I am so grateful for your support. If you are not already a Patreon patron, you are missing out on exclusive content and the chance to support indie pervert media. So if you want to find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. So thank you from the bottom of my slutty heart to Sophia, Megan, believe it or not, John Von Anchovy, Ali Brinken, Christian, Joshua Rosa, Josh Krigbon, TMS, Benjamin Klein, Kirsty Fenn, Ken Rosenberg, Jeanette, Sinclair A. Sinclair, The Pagist, Windy Kite 19, Julian Dunn, Danielle DP, John Pell, and in a very special corner, Johnny Blazes, Ellen Stagg, Midori, and Jack the Stripper, all of whom have been guests on the show and also support the show on Patreon, which is a motherfucking double mitzvah if I ever heard one. Thank you all. I love you so much. Okay, here we go. Here's part one of Why Are People Into Tantra with Barbara Corellis. <laughs> okay, Barbara, Barbara, here we are in the dark, sort of. It is dark. I guess here. I could turn on this light that I just kind of punched, well. but but I, I know you're I know you're all about creating the right atmosphere and the mood. It's so quite, it's, it's quite like black dark and velvet. velvety in yeah, here. I yeah. was thinking velvet, yes. Barbara, I'm so excited to have you on, I'm on real, the show. I'm really excited we get to talk for an hour. Yeah. In real life, we hardly ever do that anymore. I it's know. It's like we're both so damned busy. I know you're all like flying all around the world and doing a million different things. And well, but so I, I got you. I got you here. For on the occasion of the 10th anniversary, second edition of your seminal work, Urban Tantra. Thank you. Which we have right here. Seminal. I was all stopped and and, and got all kind of hot and bothered with the word (laughs) seminal. (laughs) Seminal, the root word is, is semen. But anyway, I think that probably some of my listeners are probably familiar with your work and may have even read Urban Tantra. But before we even get into the the topic at hand today, like what's your what's your elevator pitch about urban tantra? If somebody said, "Oh, I'm going to do a podcast tonight talking about my tenth anniversary second edition of my book Urban Tantra," and they say, "What is that? What do you say?" It's in the subtitle largely, which yeah. was "Sacred Sex Was and Is Sacred Sex for the Twenty First Century." I wanted to write a modern, useful, practical, applicable to today book 
about the intersection of sex and spirit, how mm. to get there, how to do it, what it is, and mm. why you might want to. That cool. was the motivation. So that's, I guess, the elevator pitch. Yeah, that's good. That was an elevator ride. <laughs> good job. <laughs> you, 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 you hit the assignment like right, right. In oh, the... good. I, lo- I like, I like that. <laughs> well, listen. I want to say that I can't remember when I first heard about your work or this book, but I do distinctly remember when I read it because set the scene it's 2009 you know to the beginning of the 21st century and i i and i uh decided that this is the 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 book that i was going to take with me on a month-long trip in europe uh which was like i i met up with some people but i was like mostly traveling by myself and you know obviously i did a lot of reading while traveling but this was like the book that i like took with me because I knew that I wanted to read it slowly and do a lot of thinking about everything in it and maybe even try out some of the things that are in there that's suggesting that you do. So of all these memories of being in Portugal and being in the Loire River Valley in France reading this book and you know being on the train from Paris to London, reading it, and I, I, I feel so. I'm so fond of it because it really taught me. I, I, I mean, I just, just think it was like very. So much of the philosophy of this book was really, really informed me as a sexual person and me also as a a sex writer and educator and like influenced my sexual politics and uh, and also on a but like on a very specific level like to that time like taught me a lot uh, enough about myself to realize that I needed to go home and dump my abusive boyfriend Mm -hmm. and move to New York City (laughs) and now here we are. (laughs) Now that last bit is the part I'm proudest of. Yeah, so I, I mean, I I can't. I don't even know if I can like put my finger on exactly what it was, but I just I started to do a lot of the the exercises that you have in the book, and to think about also like my my sexual and romantic values, and just realize like fuck, man, like I deserve better, and and also that I don't. I I guess I thought that in order to have the passion that I had with that partner that I needed to put up with all of this bullshit and um, something about the book gave me the clarity to realize that I didn't. So thank you. You're welcome. I think it's an intensity thing. I think often when we want intense erotic experiences and we don't know we haven't l- yet learned ecstatic, healthy ways to get there. Yeah, we'll get, we'll take that excitement in whatever form we can find the it. Table scraps, right? Yeah, and I, I call it. In the, uh, I remember referring to it in the book uh, as faux ecstasy. Mm. It, it feels like a big rush, right? But it's, it's not. It's, it's not the real thing, and so, I, I love that. I love that, if one can swap the the parts of one's life that are dysfunctional mm. or something in urban tantra um that's wonderful 
Yeah. That's part of my intention. Well, so, you know, and the other thing, the other reason that I, I find myself recommending Urban Tantra a lot is that, as I often say on the show, I am equal parts Mulder and Scully, right? I'm like, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a definitely a, a dreamer and a believer, but I'm also just such a skeptic and a pragmatist at the same time. And I, I, I Me am, too. Yeah, as well, I feel like this is a book for people who might be interested in uh, like things like I don't know like beyond the veil or uh, or that that sexuality is um, more than just like nerve endings rubbing together and uh, and but that might have like an aversion to religion as I certainly do um, and uh, and then also maybe like you know, I'm from California, so I, I you know, I, I have like a high tolerance for like a certain kind of like the woo, the woo <laughs> of the woo, <laughs> but like a in, hard limit as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, and also just like so much experience with with like flake, like really very like flaky woo people as well. You're constantly in this book, like every time you sort of present this, like you know, the the Mulder side, the like the the dreamy side. You're also right there with something to anchor it, the Scully stuff to anchor it. Whether it's like hard science or um, just just appealing to the pragmatist and say, even even if it's to say, I can't explain this, but why don't you try it? Just try it. Why not? Like, what's actually stopping you from trying? And 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 just like a, a sense of encouragement, and uh, I I really feel like held by that. <laughs> oh, good. I I like to say that all I do in all my work is give people permission and possibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but I I'm glad you brought you spoke up to the the woo versus the practical. Yeah. The very roots of urban tantra before the book came from that place of I needed something practical but boy did we need woo yeah. did we need spirit and I came to discover Tantra during the AIDS crisis yeah I'm, I'm so glad that you're speaking to that I would and would um, love for you to talk about that and w- during the AIDS crisis we were all told that we meaning the entire gay community I had been I've, in the Broadway theater for many years, so I was at the epicenter. I am queer, but I was also at the epicenter of, of the gay cancer, which, yeah. of course, was then identified as AIDS. And we were told that this terrible plague was raining down upon us because we had sinned so badly. So f- if you had any relationship with the God you grew up with, that was over now. Yeah. So we... Ha- we I started studying Tantra because I wanted to save lives. Mm-hmm. It was clear to me that when people when when people started having sex again and they wouldn't stay celibate out of fear forever, yeah. that uh, a lot more people were going to die than just those in this community, that this was going to be big. Yeah. And we had to figure out a new way of having sex because the old way was going to kill us. Because no one was offering, uh, uh, hey, we'll have this handled in a month or two. No. It was, we may never have this handled. Yeah. And in fact, it took a decade and a half before yeah. we could start saying that viral loads were, were yeah. coming to nothing, maybe even two decades. 
Yeah, two decades, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, and, definitely, because like, it started you know, in 1980. And like living, you know, we we live in a uh, in a in a prep world, you know, in a Truveda world, but that you know, it's not. Um, we still we haven't like completely kicked its ass. Not at all. Yet. But we're so much closer than when we were losing four pe four people a week. Absolutely. Uh, that we knew personally. Anyway, so what did I want out of tantra? I wanted a spiritual sexual practice. I wanted a way to have sex 100% physically safely, but yet as ecstatically as gay men were, were having sex, high on drugs in all-night disco palaces of your dreams. I wanted My dreams, that kind of experience. And I also wanted a spiritual component because we needed something. To heal and to... Something and that was bigger than us and our problem. And so much of queer community can be about coming together literally with sex and then when that is taken, taken away, away precisely something else to and gather remember around the community for for those interested in history that the 70s from stonewall in 69 through 81 when the new york times first wrote about aids before it had a name that was a period of infinite lgb Nobody was really looking at the T's, even though they were absolutely there. Totally. LGBT, freedom through sex. That's yeah. how freedom was expressed. Yeah. So our freedom was being taken away as well as our lives. Absolutely. So I wanted safe sex. I wanted a spiritual component. And I wanted a way to deal with the grief. Yeah. And Tantra, quite simply, offered that kind of emotional release, that spiritual experience that could be defined by the participant. You didn't have to believe in any sort of deity. And uh, indeed, in the East, Tantra, Tao, looked at sex as more of an energy we allowed than an action we did. The focus was more on the movement of energy and less on genitals. Yeah. So if we could get high without sharing body fluids, and get all the rest of the package I was looking for. That's what I wanted. And it was, so that speaks to your comment about it was practical. I didn't have time to go to India and get lost in the deep uh, traditional philosophy of it because I had lives to save. Yeah. So I studied intensely, but with a lot of different people and as I could. And I would take something and I would bring it back to the room and try it with my gay male friends and say how was this was this was this any good was this any fun and if they're like what are you talking about i knew i had to rephrase it if they were like hey that was hot um i'd go okay we keep that yeah. and and it was this grab bag of what's working what's working what's working because it was really sim simply about saving lives hence the mixture of woo and the does it work yeah if it doesn't let it go if it does, let's do more. What else could we do like that? Um, did it make you feel lighter? Did it make me feel healthier? Did it make you feel happier? Did it bring you to a closer connection? And because I was also working with um, the Hayride, Louise Hay and, and her work, her support groups for people with AIDS, yeah. we had a community that was willing to open their hearts and love themselves and love each other. And that dovetailed beautifully with tantric practices. Wow. I I mean, this is the other thing that I often find myself 
saying to to people when I'm sort of trying to pitch them on the idea of urban tantra, either the the workshops that you teach or or the book itself, the origin story of this as your as your career and your practice is rooted in healing queer community specifically mm. from True. the plague and it's such a I mean the roots of it re remember why urban tantra L uh, another piece of the history is when why I urban first tantra? <laughs> is when we started um, because I was looking for a word I was talking to Time Out magazine they were asking me what was different about my kind of tantra and I was looking for words and I found myself saying well it's it's just it's just more urban oh write that down <laughs> um, but anyway like literally because <laughs> of people coming together in the city and and even thinking about you well know. it's where it started that's yeah. where all the eight supports gr groups were it was meant to be done in time pe the time people had in their lives it was it was it was it was a practice that was welcoming of people who lived hard stressful lives in the big city yeah. you walk up to somebody who's been through wall street on, on a Friday night, somebody who's been on, working on Wall Street all week and you stroke them with a feather, they'll punch you. That'd be so <laughs> annoying. So how do you, how, how, you know, in, in the woods where we live, you know, peaceful, low-stress lives, yeah. that feather would perhaps be quite welcome. But <laughs> anyway, at the time, you were speaking to queer community, at the time I started studying Tantra, it was the only Tantra workshops I could find in the United States were white, middle-aged, heterosexual, new age, um, kind of middle class, a bit apolitical kind of yeah. workshop junkies. Yeah. Um, it was, it was just not, it was just not the community I was trying or to your serve culture. or my culture. Yeah. So I had to, I started translating mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from that culture. And of course, they had created their brand from the, some of them were the people who had gone to India in the 70s on spiritual explorations and had gotten their first introductions to Tantra at the Osho Rajneesh communes in Pune. Mm -hmm. And a lot of great people doing wonderful work came out of that tradition, but they were mostly white Western, People new with age. the time on their hands to... Yeah. To, and, and I bless the ones that were good teachers. I especially bless people like my first teacher, Jawala, who was not rigid about, the, the, uh, about masculine, feminine meaning, male and female, mm, boy mm -hmm. and girl, heterosexual, but... Innies and outies. Yeah. <laughs> and um, didn't look at me like I had three heads when I suggested that gender didn't really matter as much as we had been led to believe and I had the experiments to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I have even more now. <laughs> but, but that that was an, uh, my first break from what we were knowing in this country at the time as traditional Tantra. Of course, traditional Tantra is 6th century India. <laughs> but yeah. Urban Tantra is in fact uh, rooted, its its home, its birthing grounds w was indeed the com the queer community worldwide at this point.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. into Tantra, Barbara. I love Barbara. that question. I love the whole premise of this podcast. Oh, I'm so glad. People are into Tantra because they naturally know in their bones that there is something more to sex and they'd like to be able to let go and find it. You are really good with these elevator pitches. <laughs> Who can't relate to that? <laughs> and we all know that there is something beyond the physical about sex and it takes you somewhere very specifically special. Yeah. Tantra is a practice that not only acknowledges that, it is it's formed on the back of yoga. Yeah. And yogic practices. So it says, and let me tell you how to get there. I remember the first time I ever learned to do a breath and energy orgasm with my friend Joala. I remember thinking, oh my goodness. I like taking things apart, by the way. So mm. I remember looking at all the bits and pieces of, of, of what she taught us in order to have a breath and energy orgasm. Of course, breath. Um, imagination. Mm. Because that's how we imagine energy whether we imagine we can feel or imagine we can see it or imagine we can hear it, we get a grip on it. Sounds, uh, uh, pelvic floor, muscle squeezes, movement, all these things that are the basic building blocks of really good sex. Yeah. And I realized, wait a minute, there's this list of like six powerful things here, and all we did was take away the genitals and we can still have orgasms. In fact, longer ones, more intense ones sometimes, and kind of full-bodied ones, or very full-bodied ones. And all we did was take away the genitals. Now, there's nothing wrong with genitals, don't get me wrong, but if we can have that big, big an experience without genitals, what else is possible that we have no idea about yet? Well, I, you wrote a book about <laughs> it. <laughs> and that's why people are into Tantra. It's like, cool. oh, my God. If this is possible, what else is possible? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think that what I'm into about it is has a lot to do maybe this is your teaching style more than the the tradition of tantra specifically, but there's something that is very appealing to me that it that it's not it's not fundamentalist and that it is about the the like like principles that you can use with your own style and that's that you me. can develop your own <laughs> yeah that you can develop <laughs> your own style with it because i'm so anti-fundamentalist yeah. and and all although i know that there's and i have studied 
many things enough to know that if you do it the way they say, there will be an effect, like pranayama breathing in right. yoga. Right, right, right. Yes, it has the effect that over centuries people have proved it has. Yeah. But what if we fucked with it? What if that's just not working for you today? Yeah, yeah. There was a, a, a popular tantra book many years ago, and when I read it, it well, first of all, it was very heterosexual, so... Mm. And there was a lot of Sanskrit in it, which I knew was not a, would never appeal to my community, nor was it necessary. I, I think the, the, it was meant to be honoring and a bit exotic, and that was the appeal. Oh, uh, yes. But it doesn't work for everybody. And it just makes some people feel a little silly. Or alienated. Or alienated. In some older texts that I'd, that I'd read about Tantra, it felt like if I didn't do exactly what they said, exactly mm. the way they told me to do it, and some <laughs> workshops were like this as well, that it wouldn't work. And there was no permission to experiment or play mm. or fuck it up a little or paint it a different color. And I am really, really, really into inclusion. Yeah. The reason I wrote Urban Tantra was to get more interesting groups of people to the table. Yeah. I don't mean that everybody had to get into the same room and fuck each other, but I didn't do mean that everybody could be in the same room and have a sacred sexual experience with whoever they wanted to and have it be a there be a commonality where everybody could enjoy and respect and kind of get off on everybody whether they were not what you know without yeah. being forced into it. Of yeah, naturally. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, I just wanted more and more and more and more people at the urban tantric table. I wanted people of color, I wanted people of different abilities, I wanted people of all sexual preferences, I wanted people of any gender they could make up. I, <laughs> and you can't have, uh, uh, I wanted people of all classes yeah. and economic backgrounds, yeah. and I, you can't have a practice that's the same for all those people. Right, and so many of us that are marginalized are so used to having to make our adjustments, at, you know, whether we're watching, you know, we have a favorite romantic comedy and so we just sort of have to change the, the genders to be able to relate to, or, you know, our favorite opera, okay, so we're, you know, this love story could be about my desire in my world, you know, or sex education i mean lord knows if we are lucky enough to get any sex education mm -hmm. at all it's going to be heteronormative right yep. so so but but not not only queer people but women and definitely absolutely like folks who are working class or folks who are poc or folks who are trans or or non-binary so used to just like this is our the cross we have to bear is that we have to make all of these adjustments and like the idea that there could be a practice that is inclusive in its in its DNA that it could be inclusive like in in that the pedagogy itself is inclusive not just like oh and as an afterthought like if you uh, if you're like this then uh, just turn it upside down and you'll be fine and sometimes where when I was uh, doing this expanded edition I realized okay we have an existing edition I if I'm going to write an entire book on section Tantra for aromantics, mm. um, that's uh, because aromantics and asexuals right. have expressed interest in Tantra. Oh my gosh. Because it, it makes perfect sense, sense right? Make total sense. And so what I tried to do, for example, is go, all right, where in the book 
could an aromantic or an asexual person easily see themselves or want to be able to fit in yeah and just say hey you know this this is a particularly good exercise for you to practice if you're somewhere on that in oh in God. that spectrum that totally and makes sense also sometimes just the invitation i find is enough in my workshops often i somebody will somebody will come in their triad yeah, yeah. Or they'll want to try working in a triad. And they go, but how do we do this? And I said, there's where the creativity lies. Yeah. And, you know, uh, obviously I give them a little bit of instruction. It's like, all right, you're in a triad. I mean, you've already figured out how to be in a triad. Like, So <laughs> now let's just examine the energy here. If, if, if these two people are connecting, what would be your point of connection? Yeah. Where can you find the power? And it could be in appreciation of the love they're sharing or right, the energy right. between them. Or you can find your plug-in place as a witness yeah. to witness with the same amount of energy they're giving to the eye, the eye gazing they're doing. Well, it's such a nice metaphor for sexuality in a way. It seems like even just the experience of or, or practice of Tantra and thinking creatively and thinking outside the box in that way like okay if we're if we're taking genitals out of it or if we're thinking of it in terms of energy or we're thinking of it in terms of of these these asanas like poses right or or whatever it is then all of a sudden you start to realize ways that you could then create an analogy for that in your sex life like I was just as you were describing like a threesome configuration I was thinking about like the threesome classes that I've taught where sometimes you have to break down for people like you know you can all be participating in a threesome where two of you are like having intercourse and the other person is like fetching the lube or masturbating and watching or stroking both of you at the same time and then as you say like maybe then there's a moment of like I'm gonna sort of cut in not cut in like yeah, aggressively yeah. but like cut in like in a dance and and then all of a sudden and then it could you could obviously have like a daisy chain of like the three of you obviously, having sex yes. at the same time or you could all be masturbating together right yep. like so but then I so I feel like that thinking of sex outside the box would make you more open to tantra and that tantra would also make you more op more creative and there we go yeah w you know why learn a bit about tantra is is the corollary question to why are people into that yeah and what tantra offers anyone is a way of is an you can use it as an augmentation of everything you're already doing mm. if you know where the energy is running in sex and know how to amp up that energy mm. with something other than your genitals, everything gets bigger and better. And also in Tantra, we don't have goals. In a more Westernized sexuality, and mm. you can kind of see this on the cover of Cosmopolitan, and I love Cosmopolitan, I'm not putting them down, sure. but it does tend to be the Western model of achievement. Achievement. How many orgasms did you have? Yeah. How many orgasms did he give you? Whereas in Tantra, we would have an intention as opposed to a goal. Uh, I intend, uh, I, our shared intention is to spend a lovely afternoon with massage 
and see whatever comes up and we would like more connection with each other. We would like some pleasure. In the book, I write about scenarios where people have set up erotic rituals uh, when, when somebody is deep in grief or yeah. someone is deep in stress or when a decision or a transition needs to be made. It doesn't have to be when you're feeling all good. It can be because you're not feeling so good. But your intention is to walk down a path together, however yeah. many together is. And you just keep observing what's on the path. You just keep, let the energy keep building and let it take you where you want to go. And you may wind up with more orgasms than you would have asked for at the beginning. (laughs) Or you may end up in a bliss state Mm. that is something other than orgasm. That's where I substitute the word ecstasy, where you've just found yourself in a state of body and mind that is otherworldly in the most delightful way, whether that's a big expressive way or an incredibly quiet way. It doesn't matter because we all we all kind of tend to find on the path what we need at that moment anyway. And Tantra, and I like to think in particular urban Tantra, whether you're into kink or into more than one partner or whether you're really a devoted vanilla sex type, and I mean vanilla is a really yummy flavor, you can find you can augment what you already love with tantric practices. You do not have to go out and buy a sari and light a bunch of candles <laughs> and learn a bunch of Sanskrit words and promise yourself a pilgrimage to I- pilgrimage to India. You that's not what it's about. In fact, people say, "Then why do you call it urban tantra?" And it's a good question. I told you the timeout story, but the reason I've kept tantra in the title yeah. is because. I'm kind of looking to reclaim it Mm. for all the many people who think Tantra is not for me. And therefore, they jettison all the energetic, spiritual, sexual possibilities because it falls in the Tantra yuck basket. Right. The like the woo, the woo basket, the woo basket, the like way too Mulder basket. (laughs) Like I want to believe the truth is on their basket. (laughs) Yeah. So that's one of the reasons, that's the primary reason I've kept it as urban tantra. People have said, yeah, but then, you know, aren't you doing cultural appropriation? Oh, yeah, so let, let, let's, so let me. Ha- I don't think so. Well, let's, so let's, let's talk about cultural appropriation. I'm glad you brought it up. I know from, from reading this book and from also uh, uh, assisting you on a, Urban Tantra day. You were a fabulous assistant. Thank you. I had a very, I had just moved to New York and I was like, yeah, New York is the best. So we're at the Open Center, which is like a, a it's like a meditation. Yeah, a metaphysical um, and um, alternative learning center with a lot of, of, of topics that one might call woo. Yes, yes. And that's right here in Manhattan. Not that far Gorgeous here, place, opencenter.org. Yeah. Check it out. They've yeah, got a so huge variety of healing modalities they teach there. It's a great place, and yeah. So, I, so I feel like you know, especially as a queer person, and especially because the your your origin story of how you came to tantra as both a student and a teacher is grounded in this you know this very real tragic era in 
queer culture, mm. I feel like you're somebody who understands that you are taking an ancient Indian tradition practice and explicitly incorporating it into your modern culture and at the same time you are a white lady teaching tantra so what's that like how do you feel about it you know it was really weird hashtag this was weird <laughs> i got a call from uh an indian entrepreneurs business leaders group interesting and they have uh, a social arm as well as in, as part of this business association sure and they invited me we haven't worked out the details yet i uh, invited me to come to india to teach them urban tantra and i said i feel a little weird about this that's fascinating have you been to india uh no yeah. And um, I would love to, just haven't gotten there. And uh, one of their members had taken several of my workshops wow. in London and New York. And that's w why they were interested. And I said, you realize that Tantra <laughs> is Indian, right? <laughs> I, bet they, I bet they did realize that. <laughs> they did. But they said, but we want your brand. It is most cl closely aligned with our lifestyles. Huh. This is something we could understand your way. I said, okay. Bec it's like, <clears throat> talk about Coles to Newcastle. But <laughs> it wasn't. They didn't want ancient tantric philosophy or Tibetan tantric philosophy or the other many tantras that exist in the world. They wanted this particular brand of sacred sexuality that has a little registered trademark brand on it. And I went, Okay. Yeah. All, all right. This is starting to um, to make a bit more sense. And I put urban on the front of it. And I've claimed since day one that this isn't t traditional tantra. Yeah. So it's like the disclaimers are everywhere. So when people you know get all up themselves and don't manage to read those and just kind of go on at social media, there aren't that many of them. But when they do, this isn't real tantra. Blah 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 blah. Did you read the introduction? <laughs> really, what t the essence of Tantra is that we all live on the earth in flesh bodies. And speak for yourself. No, <laughs> I definitely am burdened with this. Yes, this meat sack. Okay. Yeah. And Tantra says that by, by really going consciously and mindfully and bravely into any human activity or endeavor, anything that we call existence, can be a tool for spiritual transformation. And sex just happens to be one of those things. That's what Tantra is. It is, again, an inclusive, mm. a radically inclusive yeah. spiritual practice. So I just figured from there, let's make it a radically inclusive practice in terms of who's practicing it well, and it was by the way in its original day it's interesting too because if you if you if you gave it like another if you just came up with like a completely new name for it and pretended that you had invented it and then it and that oh that would I'd, be creepy right and like if you weren't like honoring the tradition that that it came from and that you're part i think of that, that would be innovating. appropriation <laughs> yeah yeah 
Yeah. Well, anyway, so I'm glad I'm glad to to Thanks speak for to that, that discussion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 